0: Welcome to the Faith Connections Podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of Ezekiel chapter 43, verses 1 through 7, and chapter 47, verses 1 through 10. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International, or NDI. This adult Sunday School video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday School lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or its families. For the past seven weeks, we've been studying the book of Ezekiel. This week's lesson brings us to the conclusion of the book. We learn in Ezekiel chapter 40, verse 1, that the vision came to Ezekiel in the 25th year of Ezekiel's exile. That would be 572 BC, 25 years after being exiled to Babylon in 597 BC. Remember that Ezekiel was 25 years old when he went into exile. Now he is 50 years old. While we can read the entire book of Ezekiel in a couple of hours, let's not forget that the visions God gave Ezekiel spanned over 25 years. He had spent half of his life in Babylon. His visions for, the most, for most of those 25 years were very bad news for Israel. However, in Ezekiel 33 and the chapters that follow, we began to see hints of hope for what God planned to do. Chapters 36 and 37 of Ezekiel describe the reunification, restoration, and purification of Israel, ending with the promise of a coming ruler who would be from the lineage of King David. Chapters 38 and 39 detail the purification of the land and the elimination of Israel's enemies. Ezekiel chapters 40 to 48 The last nine chapters of the book record one final vision the Lord gave to Ezekiel while he was in exile in Babylon. These nine chapters are the logical climax to all that had preceded. With the people and the land cleansed, a new temple could be built. What makes this temple so amazing is not its distinguishing. Architectural features, although they were amazing. What's, but what sets it apart is the return of the glory of God to this sanctuary. And with that, let's begin reading Ezekiel chapter 43, verses 1 through 7, and chapter 47, verses 1 through 10. Then the man brought me to the gate facing east. And I saw the glory of the God of Israel coming from the east. His voice was like the roar of rushing waters, and the land was radiant with his glory. The vision I saw was like the vision I had seen when he came to destroy the city, and like the visions I had seen by the Kibar River, and I fell face down. The glory of the Lord entered the temple through the gate facing east. Then the spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. While the man was standing beside me, I heard something, someone speaking to me from inside the temple. He said, son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place for the soles of my feet. This is where I will live among the Israelites forever the people of Israel will never again defile my holy name neither they nor their kings by their prostitution and the funeral offerings for their kings at their at their death and then skipping to chapter 47 the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple and i saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep, When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, "This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Araba, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the w- river flows. There will be large number of fish, uh, numbers of fish." Because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Englame. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. Ezekiel 43 begins with the mentioning of a man who was with Ezekiel in verse 1. This man was first mentioned in Ezekiel 40, where this final vision began. In the vision, the Lord had taken Ezekiel from Babylon back to the land of Israel and set him on a very high mountain, according to chapter 40, verse 2. In the, on this mountain, Ezekiel encountered a man whose appearance was like bronze. This angelic messenger in human form would be Ezekiel's guide for the upcoming vision. In Ezekiel chapters 40 to 42, the angelic man showed Ezekiel the temple, noting many of its dimensions. It's noteworthy that the temple described in the book of Ezekiel was never built. There was, of course, a second temple built after the exile described in Ezra chapter 3 and Haggai chapters 1 and 2. The second temple was built after King Cyrus allowed the Israelites to return to their land in 538 BC. The second temple was completed around 516 BC. Interestingly, the description of the second temple built does not match the description. Of Ezekiel chapter 40 through 48, neither in the details of the temple's blueprint, nor in the tribal resettlement in the land. The second temple was later destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. Therefore, many Christian interpreters have suggested that Ezekiel's temple will literally be built in the last days as a third Jewish temple. According to Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 1, this angelic messenger brought Ezekiel to the gate facing east. Throughout history, this eastern gate, also called the Golden Gate or the Gate of Mercy, was the temple's most magnificent and important entrance, allowing people to walk directly onto the Temple Mount. In Jewish tradition, the Messiah will enter Jerusalem through this gate, the Eastern Gate, coming from the Mount of Olives. In the weeks leading up to the cross, Jesus visited the Mount of Olives three times. On the first occasion, he came down the Mount of Olives on a donkey and entered Jerusalem through the Eastern Gate on the day we now celebrate as Palm Sunday. Since Jesus' death and resurrection, the eastern gate has been sealed and reopened a couple of times, but the Ottomans sealed it for good in 1541 AD. When the man and Ezekiel arrive at the eastern gate, Ezekiel saw the glory of God coming from the east, according to chapter 43, verse 2. The glory of God entered through the eastern gate and into the temple in verse 4. To understand the significance of this moment, we must remember back to the beginning of Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapters 9 through 11, Ezekiel had watched the glory of the Lord depart Solomon's temple, going eastward because of the idolatry and the general wickedness of Judah's leaders. In those early chapters, as God's glory departed, it appeared as if God paused at several points as though grieving and reluctant to leave. By contrast, in Ezekiel 43, God does not pause in his return to the temple. In one continuous movement, verse 2 says that the voice of the Lord was like the roar of rushing water, and the land was radiant with his glory. It's obvious that the Lord's return to his temple was an occasion of divine joy. The Hebrew word for glory essentially means weighty or heavy. In reference to God, it has the understanding of a palpable sense of divine presence, a feeling that you could actually touch him or even see God. Maybe you've experienced the sense of glory, the glory of God before in your life. I did most recently, earlier this year, in March 2023. The Chick Shaver Center for Evangelism, or the CSCE, held a personal evangelism conference at Nazarene Theological Seminary for three days. On the final day, a Thursday morning, our final plenary session ended with a time of prayer. The glory of the Lord fell on the participants in that chapel. For the next hour, those who had come to the evangelism conference, cried out to the Lord with all their strength. Nobody really knew what to do except wait on the Lord. It was beautiful. The presence of God was so full, I wondered if we could reach out and touch him. I lovingly call the event the evangelism conference where revival broke out. These moments are not always often, but they are memorable. According to verse five, the spirit lifted Ezekiel and brought him to the inner court of the temple. Non-priestly Israelites were only allowed into the outer court where they could offer sacrifices on its larger altar. Ezekiel, you might remember, was born into a priestly line and was preparing for the priesthood when he was exiled at 25 years old. He could enter the inner court of the temple with its table of the bread of presence, its lampstand, and its altar of incense. There in the inner court, Ezekiel recorded that the glory of the Lord filled the temple, verse 5. From Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 7, through chapter 46, verse 18, God spoke directly to Ezekiel, with the angelic messenger standing silently in attendance, signaling the gravity of this instruction. The voice, it seemed, came from the innermost sanctuary, uh, or what is called the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was symbolically the place of God's residence. Only the high priest, and he only once a year, was allowed inside for the most sacred and solemn sacrifice of the year, the Day of Atonement, that is Yom Kippur, found in Leviticus chapter 16. Ezekiel knew God's voice when he heard it, and God had his attention. You see, God had returned home to His temple. Interestingly, in these chapters, Ezekiel speaks mostly of God's house, which is the Hebrew word uh, ba'it, instead of God's temple, which is the Hebrew word hekal. This may be like foreshadowing of God's intent that every believer would one day become the temple of God where his Holy Spirit lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You see, we don't have to take a pilgrimage to one temple in Jerusalem where God dwells. By his Spirit, he has chosen to make his dwelling in the body Of those who believe. We are his house. As we move from chapter 43 to 47, Ezekiel's vision enters a finale that causes us to think of the end of days, the end times. As the glory of God filled the temple, water began to flow from the inner sanctuary, God's throne room within the temple, down into the valley. In scripture, water is the source and symbol of abundant life and comes from the good hand of God. There are three passages in scripture which are intricately connected to one another that mention a place from which a river flows. The first is Eden. Genesis chapter two, verse 10 says, a river watering the garden flowed from Eden. The second is Ezekiel's vision in the temple of Jerusalem that we're reading today. Ezekiel 47, verse one says, I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. And the third is John's vision of the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Revelation chapter 22, verses one and two says, then the angel showed me the river of water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. This river of water from Ezekiel 47 gives us the picture of the grace of God because the longer it flowed, the larger it became. According to Ezekiel 4, uh, 47, verse 2, the river began as a trickle as it left the temple. On the eastern flank of the, Mount, of the Temple Mount, there's a steep slope down into the Kidron Valley. The messenger who is with Ezekiel begins to measure the length and the depth of the river. A thousand cubits is one third of a mile. By the fourth measurement, Ezekiel's guide had walked about a one and a third mile of the river's length. At the same time, the river went from being a trickle to ankle deep, to knee deep, to waist deep, to water too deep for wading across. Like God's grace, this river is greater than ever imagined. It touches those we never thought could be touched. It covers what we never believed could be covered. It washes what we never dreamed could be washed. God's grace pours forth like a never-ending ever-widening, always-deepening river. It's important to notice that while the temple possessed walls to preserve the Lord's holy character, a river of God's grace flowed from it. Holiness is about rivers as much as it's about walls. God's people, who are called to be holy as he is holy, must separate themselves from the impurities of this world. But at the same time, they must graciously pour themselves out into the world, just like Jesus did. After measuring off the length and depth of the river, the man asked Ezekiel a question in Ezekiel 47, verse 6. Do you see this? The question behind the question must have been, do you understand what this means? Having lived before his captivity at the edge of a desert, and now exiled to a region uh, sustained by irrigation agriculture, Ezekiel understood the life-giving power of water. Whether we consider grasslands or semi-arid regions or true deserts, trees signal water. Ezekiel knew that a great number of trees on each side of the river, according to verse seven, marked a true transformation of desert into guard land. Ezekiel also saw that this river emptied into the Dead Sea, according to Ezekiel 47, verse 8. In Ezekiel's day, the Dead Sea waters were about 25% suspended salts. Now they exceed 30%. The world's oceans average only 4% or less. The Dead Sea is a good name for this salty water. It does not support marine or plant life because of its high mineral content. Ezekiel 47 verse 8 says that when the living water from the temple flows into the Dead Sea, it will be made fresh. The Hebrew literally says that the Dead Sea will be healed. It is the same word that is used when a person is healed of a disease. It is a striking picture of how God's grace unleashed can transform and bring life, no matter how barren or dead the land or the person might be. Verse nine ends, where the river flows, everything will live. What an incredible statement of hope for everyone. The message of this vision is clear. Wherever the river of God's grace flows, everything will live. Grace is God's amazing gift to this world. It can literally make a dead sea alive again, and it can literally make a dead person live again. This vision certainly speaks of the future, but it also has a word for our present. God comes into the midst of his people today, pouring out his grace and healing them. Today, we can live in that ever deepening stream of God's goodness. As we await the end of days, we can trust in God's healing presence among us today. As I close this lesson today and finish our study of Ezekiel, I want you to notice that the name of the city never appears in Ezekiel chapter 40 through 48. Jerusalem is never mentioned by name. In fact, the name of the city that Ezekiel sees is changed at the end of the vision. Ezekiel 48, verse 35, is a fitting end to Ezekiel's prophecy of hope. It says, and the name of the city from that time on will be, the Lord is there. If you've not experienced God's presence in your life, I want you to know that there's hope. God wants to make his dwelling in you a well of water springing up to eternal life, never ending, never running dry, living water for you today in Christ Jesus. You might ask, how can I get this water? A Samaritan woman at a well one day asked that very same question. In John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said, "'Whoever believes in me shall never thirst.'" To believe in Jesus means to repent of your sins, to turn from your sins, and to follow Jesus. It is a journey you will never forget. I want to encourage you to begin your walk with him today. Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. If you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinesstoday.org podcast or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts.